This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by Commonwealth Engineers. Commonwealth Engineers helps communities with their most challenging water resource needs. We take a holistic approach, including technical, financing, regulatory, and operations considerations. To our existing client communities, thank you for your trust. To those we have not yet had the pleasure to work with, please contact us to discuss how we can be of assistance. Visit us at commonwealthengineers.com. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Hello and welcome to Ames Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Matt Greller with Ames. Today's guest is Maya Michelson. Maya is the Executive Director of the Indiana Arts Commission. Welcome, Maya. Uh, thanks, Matt. So I appreciate the opportunity to join you today. So you've been with the commission since looks like about the fall of last year as the executive director. Uh, your time with the agency, though, goes back quite a ways. You've got some city and town background as well. Just share with everybody a little bit about your experience and, and how you got to be the, the head of the Arts Commission. Yeah, great. Thanks. So, yeah, I'm not a native Hoosier, but but um, as, as somebody said, I, I moved to Indiana as soon as I heard about it. So I've been here since 2004. Um, I live in Bloomington. So I, um, I anchor the southern part of the state there living in Bloomington. Came um, as a trailing spouse. My husband is on faculty at IU Bloomington and worked in the art sector in executive roles um, throughout my career, um, but was tapped by Mayor Mark Cruzan to be the first um, for the city um, arts and economic development director for the city of Bloomington. So I was there for eight years, never thought my career would end up in public sector service. But once I got there, it was, I loved it. Um, and uh, I know your listeners obviously know the joys and headaches of public sector service, but really realized it was, um, it was a, it was great for me and really appreciated the opportunity to support my community at the ground level, which we know public sector service does. So I was there for eight years, then I recruited to apply for deputy director at the Arts Commission. So I was I came in 2015, was in that role for almost seven years, focusing on operations, CFO, um, but then also keeping my my um, my orient as it relates to community uh, development. And, and working with communities, because that's clearly a place that that really I love doing, love working with um, uh, cities, big and small, cities, towns, counties, uh, community organizations. So continued to do that work in, in that role. And I'm taking that forward um, in my executive director role now, which um, I've been uh, ED since October of last year. So continuing to do that community work. Um, I've had have had fantastic opportunity to travel with AIM at their community roundtables across the state and getting to know um, all kinds of communities, traveling all sorts of places, and it has been an amazing experience. Uh, so, again, it 
still pretty early in my tenure, but, but I'm certainly focused and focus for me is going to be on deepening that connection with community and deepening that, deepening that skill set and capacity building amongst communities as it relates to um, arts and creativity. So um, we got a lot going on and I'm really excited to talk about some of it with you today. That's a, uh, that's a great segue. Maya, you mentioned you've been on the road with us at our, our round tables. And honestly, I have not seen this level of uh, engagement, excitement from our round tables in quite some time. We're drawing out a whole new group of municipal officials that are engaged in the arts that we've not had as much contact with in the past. It's been excellent. Um, you know, what are some of your thoughts and what are you hearing? You know, I, I mentioned before we started the podcast, we had a, a mayor's meeting this, this week and had a mayor voluntarily come up to us and talk about forming an arts council. And I can't remember if that's ever happened before. So it's, uh, it's uh, certainly uh, going well so far. What are some of your impressions from the round table? Well, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Um, the last one we did in Sherville, it was, um, I, I, the only way I can describe it is kind of a love fest. I mean, there were communities, large and small, that, that came together to talk about the work that they were doing in arts and creativity. And there was such a great interest and not, not only hearing what other communities were doing, but then the opportunity to share out. I could see business cards being exchanged. I know of a couple of communities that went on the road to see what, what some of the other communities were doing. So it's just been a great source of um, idea exchange, which I, it's a fantastic outcome. Didn't see that coming and just happy to embrace it. I think it, I think it speaks to the moment they were this post, um, say post pandemic, it's the uh, continuing pandemic, I guess, um, uh, moment that we're in, in that communities are looking at um, what, what are their folks asking for? What, are, what, what do they need to be thinking about as it relates to making their communities, their cities and towns and places um, uh, attractive for people to live there, right? So what, what kinds of livability um, uh, assets should they be thinking about? And what we're hearing from places large and small and large, frankly, is um, especially from smaller places is that they, they don't wanna have to travel to to a larger city to experience a, an arts and cultural or creative experience. They want those sorts of things in their own backyard. They want murals, they want arts councils, they want you know parks, concert series, they want farmers markets, they want, they want creative based businesses. They want all of those things in their, in, the, like in their own backyard. So, so they are coming to us asking about how they can build those kinds of assets in their communities. And what we tell them often is uh, first look to see what you have. There's creativity in every single community. And so it's taking a moment to, to look around to see what you have that you can build on. So what we're seeing is that communities are really taking time to think about who we are, what it is that makes us unique and special, and then trying to, to put together a, a strategy around livability and quality of place that really builds on that um, creativity. So you mean to tell me that the arts is more than just a painting on the wall or, <laughs> or a mural in an alley? Yeah, it, it, 
Yeah, it's a lot more. And I would say that, you know, I've got a lot, uh, we have a lot of great data. Um, well, first I'll start, I'm in a habit of interrupting myself. So excuse me for that. But uh, uh, a painting is a painting and it's a beautiful thing. A, a performance is a performance and it's a beautiful thing. Um, and we say that first and foremost, but what we also know from our research is that arts and creativity and the exposure and opportunity to participate in it has lots of really significant um, community building and citizen enhancing and resident enriching uh, outcomes and impacts besides and in addition to the experience of the creative activity itself. So we've got data that talks about how quality of life matters and how uh, people's decisions about where to stay and it drives how attached they are to their communities. And when they're more attached, they volunteer more, they vote more often, they um, contribute to philanthropic interests, even outside of arts and culture. They're more attached in their communities, not just in sort of how they think about it, but then how they act. And we know, all know that attachment stickiness in communities is really important, right? Because we want people to feel invested uh, in, in where they live. Um, we also know that neighborhoods with arts activities you know, that have access to arts and activities, whether that's at a community center or in a parks concert series or something like that, those neighborhoods see increases in housing population and school test scores, interesting, and also a decrease in crime. So communities that have more arts, have access to more arts activities have um, better outcomes. Um, we also know that arts engagement doubles the likelihood of voting for young people ages 18 to 24 from 44 to 84%. Actually, it's not quite this close, very close. So um, we know that kids who have access to ongoing arts activities are more civically engaged as it relates to, to, um, uh, to civic participation like voting. There's tons of great data related to the impact of arts and creativity on the, on the local economy. Um, USDA um, just uh, had released a study in 2017 that talked about the impact of performing arts organizations in, in smaller places and that they increase um, uh, higher, pop they, they uh, Communities experience uh, stronger population growth, higher incomes, and recover more quickly from recessions. So there are a lot of great economic benefits to arts and creative uh, experiences and assets in your communities. And talked a little bit for a second about youth outcomes. There's also significant benefits to a high level of arts and creativity in a community for youth. They're two times as likely to graduate college they're five times less likely to drop out if they have access to arts activities in their communities. And a dollar spent on the arts spent, uh, saves $9 on other costs. Hmm. So there, and I, and, I, and I will tell you, uh, we've got all that research and we're happy to share. Sometimes uh, when I speak to uh, economic development and community development folks, they'll say, boy, I wish I had that data. And I'm like, tell me what you want because I've got data on about every possible out positive outcome, arts and community, and I'm happy to share it. And there's a great resource on Americans for the Arts website with that. One last positive outcome that we are really focusing on right now in the state um, here at the Arts Commission, and that is the impact of ongoing uh, arts activity on our older adults. Um, 
no, you know, not hard to look around to see that that our older population is increasing, uh, and uh, that's going to continue. And Indiana, because you know we are a primarily rural state, some of those older adults live in more isolated settings potentially, and. Uh, there has been some extremely compelling um, national research on the impact of arts and creativity on increasing the quality of life for older adults. Um, they have increased health outcomes, positive health outcomes. They uh, have increased attachment, feel less loneliness and isolation. And believe it or not, and this is, this is one of the most interesting results of that uh, research is that they fall less and there's less need for long-term care for older adults that have ongoing exposure and opportunity for creative activity. So we have funded a pilot project to train artists and partner them with area agencies on aging and other aging service providers so that they, we can start to build out that network. And we're hoping that's a program that we can really scale up here in the next year so that we can get a lot more creative experiences out into communities to support our older adults. And I know that, that um, that's, that's a real concern and issue in rural places, so. So I grew up in a town <clears throat> that built its a complete identity around the arts and, and really as a business starting from Nashville, Indiana. Maybe talk a little bit about how a community can use the arts, not only for all the things you've already mentioned, but it's, you know, they're a member of the community. They're often a business within the community, uh, filling storefronts on Main Street, all those good things. Um, what, what, what do you have to say about those kinds of approaches from a, a city and town perspective as well? Absolutely. Um, it, it can in fact, I think I, I experienced this in one of the AIM roundtables when I was talking about uh, this, is that it's pretty easy for um, economic and, and community development folks to forget that creative-based businesses are businesses. You know, they pay taxes, they provide services, they purchase services from other um, uh, providers, so they are businesses as well, um, and and that musician that's playing at the farmers market, or that artist that is vending at um, a community arts festival, is a small business. Every single one of them is a small business. So if you can unlock your thinking and start to look around and see, you know, who's the who's the creative person who's got the side hustle. Um, who's a ceramicist and selling pottery online, you know, via Etsy or something. How can you help them get a storefront? How can you help them take that um, uh, creative-based business and put it in a storefront and make it part of your downtown? And again, Nashville did that organically, which is, you know, the best way to do that, to, to do that. Um, and so by looking around and seeing who else is in your community that is doing that creative-based work and think about how you can help them make that step from doing it in their garage to doing that, doing it in that boarded up building on Main Street. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a big investment and a smart investment because you're investing in the people and the businesses that are there already. We know uh, tons, of, tons of stats around um, 68 percent of tourism is is arts and cultural uh, driven. So when people come to places, they're looking for the unique 
opportunities. I mean, who, you know, I, I don't know that people, you know, uh, pick their tourism and their travel destinations based on where the big box stores are, right? So they, they're, they're looking for the unique places and the unique things. So thinking about how to make that transition from the small base, the creative based business to a storefront is important. And to that end, we have a program that's been in existence now five years called OnRamp. And what we do in OnRamp is that we take in a cohort of about 30 to 35 creative based businesses, creative entrepreneurs in the state. And we provide a three day workshop, all expenses paid. It's a site-based workshop. We don't um, we don't do it virtually. We feel like that that it's really important for creatives to network with each other, and they receive all kinds of business development skills, business marketing, pricing, uh, how to uh, brand identity, all the sorts of things that that folks need to be thinking about and putting together a small business. And then we provide a two thousand dollar early action fellowship for them to get that business plan up on its feet. And we're now in the fourth cohort of that uh, training program. So we've trained now several hundred artists and creatives on business practices. And some of them have successfully transitioned into being small business assets in their relative communities. And again, we're, we're, uh, we're bringing in people in from uh, in these cohorts from obviously from Indianapolis, but then from small places all over the state. So we're continuing to lean into that uh, creative entrepreneurship, creative business practice development, and um, and would really encourage communities to look around to say to see, uh, you know, who in their community is doing that work, and how can you help help them make that next step from a again from a garage based business to a storefront or you know some other public facing business. It's great stuff. I guess the last thing we'll, we'll wrap up with, you know, our folks are always money hungry, right? So what about grants and, and where can they get some assistance and those kinds of things? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Where's the funding piece of it, right? So, um, so we, have, uh, we have a program called Arts Project Support. And it is a, um, a project-based grant. Um, it is organizations are eligible as well as municipalities and units of government, as well as school corporations, five, a 501c3, kind of of any type, and it is for a, a project. And it can be anything from a mural development to a community concert series to helping rehab uh, an abandoned storefront into a you know, pop-up art space. It could be for create a community cultural planning, all sorts of things. It's a no-match grant. It's $5,000, um, it's modest, but it can be great startup, uh, great startup funds for a project and, off, and can also serve as a match for, for other funding as well. Those grants go out annually. Our next uh, series of our next guidelines will we'll, um, go live at the end of December. And with a, with a deadline of March, those grants run on our fiscal year, which is July 1 through June 30th. We have this, this current year, and I anticipate we will probably for the next few years prioritize first-time applicants. Uh, so, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this, you've not, don't, we're not funding you currently. Yeah, you got a better shot, better shot than average, right? So we also offer tons of capacity building support. We, we 
great. Um, somewhat like Okra does, we have um, a regional support system across the states. So we have 11 regional partners. So that access to our services and our and our programs is a is a little more is available a bit more on the ground level instead of always having to to contact us. Although we we love chatting with you, so we want you to call us. Um, but we encourage folks to connect with their local uh, regional arts partner to to help advise them as they go through the grant process. They will also have information on other grant and support programs that may be. Um, they may be eligible for. They also can provide technical assistance and other resources. But I do want to put this uh, open call out, Matt, and that is I'll go anywhere, talk to anybody about anything. So if you want me or anybody from the ISC staff to come to your community, um, I'm in. So all you have to do is email me and get on my calendar and I will come and, and meet with whoever to talk about anything um, because that's, we are, we're here to we're here to work for you, um, and we're all working to make a stronger Indiana, and we're doing it through arts and creativity. So, we want folks to know that that we would love nothing more to come and see. If you, even if you just want to show us what you're working on, we'd love to see that. Um, and again, we're also would love to sit down and work with you related to what you aspire to do, and help you connect with the resources that will help you move your community along in the way that that makes it a great place to live. Well, I hope our <clears throat> I hope our folks take you up on that offer. You know, as we talk about the <clears throat> next round of ready funding and things like that, I think you could be an invaluable resource for a lot of that project and planning. So Maya, thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast today. Thanks for being a great advocate for the arts. Uh, and I hope our folks have a better understanding of uh, what the Arts Commission does and how you all can be helpful to them. So thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. So I appreciate the invitation. same Hometown Innovations podcast was sponsored by Commonwealth Engineers.